Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Because we got the alternative energy nuclear free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hi, my name's Mara. This episode of the Radioactive Show was recorded and produced on the stolen lands of the Waramai and Wurundjeri peoples for 3CR Melbourne. On this show, we present some of the speakers from the recent Hiroshima Day Peace Rally held in Nam or Melbourne. In the past, these events focused on remembering the bombing of Hiroshima on the 6th of August 1945 and on fighting for a nuclear-free future. This year included more about a nuclear-free present with current threats such as the AUKUS submarine deal, the trilateral security pact between the US, UK and Australia risking war with China, and the war in Ukraine. Organised by No AUKUS Coalition Victoria and supporting peace and community organisations and unions, speakers included Margie Beavis from the Medical Association for the Prevention of War, Fiona McCandless, organiser at the Health and Community Sector Union and Peace Activist, John Shipton, Julian Assange's father, Nick McClellan, journalist and researcher on the Pacific, and John Lander, retired Australian diplomat. We'll hear extracts from some of the speeches now. Thank you, friends, and thank you for joining us today. We meet on Wurundjeri land, the land of the people of the Kulin Nation, land that was never ceded. We mark the anniversary of the US attack on the people of Hiroshima. This year is also the anniversary, the 70th anniversary of the first British nuclear test in Australia, held off the coast of Western Australia at the Montebello Islands in October. And it was the first of a series of tests in our nation, leaving health and environmental consequences for the Anungu people of South Australia. And for Indigenous peoples living around the region, there are health and environmental impacts from more than 315 nuclear tests and countless other nuclear experiments conducted on their lands and waters over a period of 50 years, starting in 1946 and continuing to the end of French nuclear testing in 1996. So there were American tests at Bikini, at Eniwetok, at Kalama, at Christmas Island, 193 French nuclear tests underground and in the atmosphere at Mururoa and Fungatofa Atolls. British tests of atomic weapons in Australia at Montebello, at Maralinga, at Emu Field, and then even Menzies wouldn't allow them to test thermonuclear weapons, hydrogen bombs in Australia, so they tested the more powerful H-bombs in Kitabas on Christmas and Malden Island. And that's why today, with 10 nuclear sites around Oceania, there are many, many people who are still concerned about nuclear weapons. And there's deep anti-nuclear sentiment in the islands. And that's why our Pacific Island neighbours, like many people in Asia, are concerned about AUKUS, the Australia-UK-US strategic partnership and about the proposed decision to buy nuclear submarines. 
And just this week in New York, at the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty Review Conference, currently being held, the ambassador to the United Nations for Kiribati, small Micronesian island nation, spoke out on this very question. Ambassador Deborah Sito said that he joined neighbours like Indonesia, Malaysia and others to condemn the planned purchase of nuclear submarines. And he said, and I quote, we're worried about the potential impact of this trilateral security pact between Australia, the United Kingdom and the United States. We firmly believe that any cooperation involving the transfer of nuclear materials and technology for military purpose, from nuclear weapon states to non-nuclear weapon states, increases the risks posed by potential proliferation and the conversion of nuclear material to nuclear weapons. So here's a former president from a Micronesian nation that had 33 US and British tests on their soil with no compensation, no support for the people affected from those tests in the 1950s and 1960s saying today that they don't support the proliferation of new nuclear technologies in our region. But AUKUS is not just about nuclear submarine, it's about technology transfer, artificial intelligence, about a whole range of integration around economic issues. And above all, it's about further integrating Australia into US warfighting strategies. And at a time of increasing US-China tension, we need to listen to our non-aligned neighbours, and there are many of them. Fiji, Indonesia, Vanuatu, as well as countries like Papua New Guinea, and PNG's explicit foreign policy is friends to all, enemies to none. Many of our neighbours in ASEAN, in the Pacific Islands Forum, don't want to choose sides in the burgeoning fight between the United States and China in our region. And at a time of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, at a time of rising nuclear threats, of nuclear sabre rattling, as we stand here on Hiroshima Day, fellow members of the Pacific Islands Forum have not chosen the path of closer ties to nuclear weapon states, the path chosen by Australia. Rather, 10 members of the Pacific Islands Forum, including Aotearoa New Zealand, have signed and ratified the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. This is a nuclear ban treaty calling for the abolition of nuclear weapons. It also is unique in disarmament treaties in calling for assistance to nuclear survivors. And there are many indigenous peoples who are survivors of more than 300 nuclear tests conducted around our region. Indeed, our island neighbours, as they've made clear for the last 30 years, say the greatest single threat to the livelihoods, well-being, security of their peoples is climate change and they want to see resources put in to the global response to climate change as the greatest single threat. And as we've lived through bushfires and floods and more, that's a lesson for Australia too. And the Prime Minister of Fiji, Vorengi Bainimarama, travelled to Vienna earlier this year for the first meeting of state parties of the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. And Bainimarama's words ring true because he wanted to link these agendas the response to the climate emergency, the challenge of human development, the challenge of nuclear disarmament and economic program for ordinary citizens. And he says these issues are all interconnected. And I quote him, nuclear weapons epitomize the same short-sightedness that created the climate crisis, worsened the pandemic and kept food from the hungry. Worse, 
their staggering expense cripples our response to these global challenges. The nine nuclear weapon states are projected to spend more than 100 billion US dollars every year to maintain their nuclear arsenals. Need I remind everyone, this is the sum of finance that developed nations pledged and then failed to deliver to climate vulnerable nations by 2020. So our neighbours are saying clearly, we want a foreign policy based on friends to all, enemies to none. We want a foreign policy that addresses the fundamental security challenge for Australia, for our island neighbours and for the world, the climate emergency, and they want resources put into social development, not nuclear confrontation. Thank you. I might actually talk a little bit more about Maralinga um, and some of the nuclear testing that happened on our lands. About nine different bombs were dropped on Australian land, two off the uh, coast of WA, the Montebello Islands, and another seven were dropped around Maralinga. Now these tests were only known by Menzies at the time. People weren't allowed to say where the tests were happening and thanks to whistleblowers we finally found out what was going on on our own lands. The Aboriginal people, who are now known as the Maralinga Jarucha people, due to the bombing disrupting their lifestyle so much. So many people died. Yami Lester passed away a few years ago. Seven bombs were dropped on Maralinga, but over 550 nuclear tests were done on our land of depleted plutonium. Now, in many ways, this is more dangerous than an atomic bomb because it lasts longer. The half-life of the plutonium dropped on uh, or tested in Australia is 24 million years. 22 kilograms were used in tests on Australian land. So it will take 24,000 years for half of that plutonium to reduce. In 24,000 years, we'll still have 11,000 kilos of plutonium on our land. We will not live long enough as a human race to see a time when that plutonium is gone if we continue with these kind of tests. We've done two attempted botch cleanups of land in Maralinga. The first one in the 80s and the second one finished in the year 2000. Now, the base limit the minimum recommended cleanup for this area was to collect all the topsoil, which they did with big trucks, which threw more of the sand up into the sky, spreading the radiation further. But besides that, and they had to dig deep, deep trenches and cover them with three or four metres of concrete, hoping in 24 million years people will know not to dig there. When they went back to check on this cleanup, they hadn't even put the slabs of concrete in the right places. This plutonium was still out there, still out in the land. They did another cleanup in the year 2000, but after the year 2000, after the war on terror started, I found WikiLeaks a transcript saying that there is concern that a terrorist organisation could come to our outback, sweep up the dust and dispel it into the waterways of another country. It would be genocide. It would take generations, but people would die of radioactive cancers. We handed the land back to the Aboriginal people, and I think it was 2016, and said, good luck with it. We don't recommend you live within a 120 kilometre radius of Maralinga, but good luck with that. The lands today on Maralinga are 13 times more radioactive than safe levels, 13 times. These weapons are never justified. So to conclude my speech, I'd like to say, no more nuclear tests. We should never see any more nuclear tests in Montebello Islands, in Maralinga, in America, and they had them in New Mexico, and Nevada. No more French tests in French Polynesia. No more Russian tests in Kazakhstan. No more nuclear tests. No more tests. No more nuclear weapons dropped in war in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. No more military bases. Get the military bases off of our land. We need a sovereign country. We need to stand for Australian nationalism and not get dragged into other countries' wars. Solidarity. Thanks, everyone.
You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We're listening to some of the speeches from the 2020 Hiroshima Day Peace Rally. We just heard from journalist and researcher Nick McClellan and from Fiona McCandless, organiser from the Health and Community Sector Union. Next, we'll hear from Margie Beavis from the Medical Association for the Prevention of War and from retired Australian diplomat John Lander. I'd like to pay my respects to the traditional custodians of this land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and acknowledge that this land was never ceded, and it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I'd also like to pay my respects to the survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Today is the 77th anniversary, and at 8.15 in the morning, 77 years ago, the bomb dropped on Hiroshima and three days later on Nagasaki. I'm going to talk largely about one part of AUKUS, the submarines. What will they really cost us as a community. These submarines are a bad idea on so many levels. They're so bad they remind me of the children's story about the Emperor's new clothes. There are financial costs, sovereignty and defence costs, international costs, environmental costs, and lastly the opportunity costs, the cost of what we're not doing because we're spending so much money on these submarines and so much time and effort. ASPE has estimated these submarines will cost 171 billion. More recent estimates have put them at over 200 billion. Many pundits are saying that billions will be spent, but the submarines will never arrive. Conventional subs would be much cheaper. In fact, Rex Patrick, the senator from South Australia, said in today's Saturday paper that we could buy 20 conventional, very quiet diesel submarines for 30 billion. And that would give an awful lot of change from 200 billion. Hugh White, another entity that's not known for his left-wing opinions has said on issues of risk schedule local content and sovereign control if they are taken into account on all these accounts diesel submarines win hands down if australia could only manage their acquisition with a modicum of common sense this submarine decision was presented to the alp as a fait accompli they were given 24 hours to consider it grossly inadequate consultation for a decision of so many um, important ramifications. The AOP accepted this decision with three caveats. No nuclear weapons, no domestic nuclear power generation, and finally, that it was compatible with the NPT. Well, I can say quite clearly, this decision is not compatible with the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. And I'll go more into that later. There are sovereignty and defense capability costs These submarines are basically going to be US submarines. We've already mentioned that Richard Miles went over to the US recently and said that we were going to go from interchangeability, interoperability to interchangeability. I'm not quite sure what that means, but I think it means that basically we will do what we are bid. These submarines are designed to project power at a long range and to join in US attacks on China. We will be dependent on the UK or the US to operate these subs as we do not have the capability. These submarines will reduce our ability to defend ourselves. They are ill-suited to the northern, shallow northern waters of Australia. Once again, yet again, we are buying long-range aggressive weaponry, very poorly suited to defending Australia. We are locking ourselves further into the US warfighting machine. We used, prior to World War II, to be subservient to the UK. 
we are now increasingly subservient to the US, and AUKUS looks like it may well make us subservient to both. Where is our ability to defend ourselves? Does further outsourcing of Australian foreign policy actually make us more secure? Hugh White talks of a sleepwalk into war. Such a war would be terrible, unwinnable for all sides. Moreover, these submarines are quite likely to be obsolete. The first, if we're lucky, if we're very lucky, will be delivered in 2040. The last, probably in the 2060s. The big appeal of submarines is their stealth, but with increasing technology from drones, satellites, artificial intelligence, blue-green lasers, these submarines are increasingly detectable, and it's quite likely that by 2040 they will be obsolete, despite us spending this amount of money. On an international level, this opens a Pandora's box. Undermining the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty by transferring highly enriched uranium, in other words, bomb fuel, from a non-nuclear weapon state, from a nuclear weapon state to a non-nuclear weapon state. And this is using a loophole in the Comprehensive Safeguards Agreement. Each submarine is estimated to have enough uranium for 20 nuclear weapons. Australia puts hand on heart and says, we will be fabulous with the safeguards. Nonetheless, it opens, be that as it may, it opens the door for other countries. Pakistan, the Republic of Korea, Japan, Japan and Iran have all now expressed interest in nuclear-powered submarines because this will justify their acquisition of highly enriched uranium, in other words, bomb fuel. Um, proliferation of highly enriched uranium-fueled submarines would weaken the nuclear security and weaken the non-proliferation treaty altogether. It makes a mockery of the AUKUS partners' non-proliferation credentials and assertion of commitment. On top of this, there are regional concerns, and Nick McClellan will talk very ably about this shortly, but basically we've upset Indonesia, Malaysia, Fiji, Kiribati, New Caledonia, and others. These are nations that have suffered terribly from nuclear war weapons. It escalates regional tensions. These submarines increase polarization, militarization, and nuclear risk. They increase the chance of war in Northeast Asia. There's also the environmental risk. Six nuclear-powered submarines have sunk since 1963. Nuclear weapons have also been lost at sea as a result of accidents. And in the same time frame, there have been five confirmed releases of radioactive material into the sea. Worryingly, since 2015, there is no data. And we think that military secrecy is now depriving us of data about nuclear accidents and submarine accidents. In fact, the UK Defence Nuclear Safety Regulator stopped allowing public access to reports about nuclear submarine safety in 2017. So we could have an appalling nuclear accident in one of our ports and military secrecy would stop that from ever being reported. There is so much talk about security. What actually would make Australians more secure? Can you imagine what would happen if this 200 billion plus the task force of over 100 public servants could do if they were working on something like climate change? In Australia, there are many critical areas that are deteriorating or stagnant due to lack of funding. To mention just a few, we have rising levels of poverty, 
on New Start especially. The healthcare system is in crisis and was pushed to the limit even before COVID. Our homelessness is a disgrace and our national housing stock needs bolstering. Education, closing the gap and other outcomes for Indigenous peoples. The justice system. Our jails are bursting at the seams with people who are just on remand, waiting far too long for their trials, and legal aid has become a shadow of its former self. What's worse is with budget repair, this is all likely to get worse. So in closing, I'd like to say these submarines are not going to make Australia more secure. Far from it. They risk undermining non-proliferation and the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. And in fact, I'm going to speak at the UN in about two weeks on this subject. They risk to the region. They risk Australian sovereignty. They increase the risk of war. They risk Australia's ability to defend themselves. And there is a risk to Australians in what we're not doing, addressing poverty, health, housing, closing the gap, justice, education, and climate change, just to name a few things. They also are an environmental risk. We urgently need a review of this decision. Please, please, please contact your member of parliament. This is an unwise decision on so many levels. Internationally, regionally, and here in Australia, many people will suffer if this proposal goes ahead. It is not a done deal yet. Please contact your Member of Parliament. I say again, it's the most powerful tool we have. Call them, email them, but better still, ring up or just email them and ask for an appointment. It's pretty painless. It may take you a month to get one, but go take this fabulous flyer, which has been put together with the AUKUS. It'll, it'll give you all the arguments you need. Um, and we have to work together to change the minds of this government because this is a really dumb deal. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. I will be very brief. Uh, a global nuclear conflict will result in a global uh, nuclear cloud that will envelop the world and cause a nuclear winter that will last for decades and destroy our capacity to produce any food. So that those of us who don't get blasted to smithereens will die slowly by starvation and radiation poisoning. This is a prospect that we face as a result of the United States' implacable determination to pursue war against China. The recent visit of the Congressional House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan is further evidence that the US intends to spark a proxy war against China, with Taiwan in the front line and Australia close behind. All the arrangements under AUKUS are about preparing for war against China. There's no secret about that. And the present government's foolish pledge to make Australian forces interchangeable with United States forces. It's giving uh, the United States the opportunity to de decide where, when, and how Australian forces will be used uh, rather than having any decision in the hands of the Australian government. So 
I think we need to be very well aware that the US is not preparing to launch itself into a war against China from Australia. It is preparing to launch Australia into a war against China. Recent polls showed that the, the most Australians are opposed to war against China, but I think the time has come for the silent majority to get loud be <laughs> because we because that, that is the danger that we are facing and in particular I, ur I urge the younger generation to speak out, stand up, campaign to persuade the Australian government to use the alliance relationship with the United States to persuade it to choose a different path because the path to war will annihilate everyone. I'm here with the coordinator of the Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth, Sana. Sana, tell me a little bit about why you came down today and what message you've been bringing. Um, we've been here to commemorate the Hiroshima Day, which is the bombings that happened 77 years ago, of course, but also to raise awareness about how the uranium that is used in those um, bombs and any bombs at the moment um, needs to come from somewhere and we need to stop digging it up out of the earth. So we're also calling attention to the, um, the Mogorov mine and the Uranium Free Charter um, to get to keep um, WA uranium free and to keep it in the ground. Fantastic. And so tell me a little bit more about the charter. So the charter is um, a charter that was made by the uh, CCWA, the Conservation Council WA, who are helping um, local uh, traditional owners to fight the uranium mine on their land. And it's a, a, a quest, um, a request for the government to, to firm up their, um, their labor stance against uranium and to really put that into law, which means that the four uranium mines that were proposed, um, three of them all got expired last year, and one got approved, to, so to stop them, the mine that got approved, and um, to make sure that the three other mines won't be able to start back up whenever there's a government in place, or whenever the, the, the financial situations are more positive from uranium mining. So to really stop UWA from ever having a uranium mine, ever. We just heard some of the speeches from the recent Hiroshima Day Peace Rally held in Nam or Melbourne. Thanks to the organisers, No Orcas Coalition Victoria and supporting peace and community organisations and unions, and to the speakers. The efforts for a nuclear-free future continue. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at www.3cr.org.au slash radioactive. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. The Radioactive Show was produced with the support of Friends of the Earth's Nuclear Free Collective for 3CR Melbourne on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Fitzroy, Victoria. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network.
Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear, peace and energy issues.